Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Clay Smeltzer. Clay is a father, husband, author, speaker, teacher, high school, baseball coach, and founder of Purpose Infused Coaching. Purpose Infused Coaching's mission is to help schools, administrators, teachers, and men find then enhance their purpose and to infuse that purpose into everything they do. Clay's goal with those involved in the education system is to help them evolve into the new age of education. He does this by helping them to define their purpose so that they can effectively and efficiently provide the best learning environment. End result is for students to own themselves, love their story, and live with purpose. In regards to men specifically, Clay wants to help those men who are in life saying, this isn't what it was supposed to be to help men define their purpose so that they can wake up every day with excitement and energy to live the life they were meant to live. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Clay. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Well, thank you, Dwight. I appreciate it. And uh, just the time to kind of spend and talk and chat uh, about the things that men need to be talking about. And really, honestly, uh, people need to be talking about, I think is important. Yes, it is so true. Um, so, Clay, one of the things in my life that I am a huge proponent of is people's origin story. And I've learned that since I was younger from my father, who was a business owner, and he'd always new clients, old clients, he always wanted to know about their personal lives, because he, he realized that was an anchor to the relationship. Yeah. And part of that anchoring system is understanding people's origin story. And one of the things that's irritated me is how Marvel and Star Wars start in the middle of a series <laughs> and then they pop backwards. That it yeah. does. It irritates me um, because they don't, it's like they discount the fact that yeah. things wouldn't be where they're at without the start, right? From Correct. you being a toddler up or from your earliest memories. So tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently? Well, I, th- I think uh, we always, as we go through life, we have these defining moments. You know, I think that's really important. And I think it's really important for people. And, and especially as I work with men is for those men to look back at their, their origin story and their start and up through that process to where they are today is to really look at what are those defining moments in my life. So for me, I grew up in a trailer in the middle of the woods in Pennsylvania. So um, I didn't grow up with money. Uh, I didn't grow up with, uh, I was the kid on the basketball team that in seventh grade who had the different shoes because my parents were like, <laughs> yeah, I ain't buying those shoes. Um, you know, so it was, you know, Christmas and stuff like that. We got, um, you know, we got four or five thing presents and stuff like that um, because, you know, I, and we got stuff that we needed, underwear, shoes, clothes, stuff like that. Uh, and then one or, one or two things that were here um, that were just like out there in gifts. But uh, so we grew up, I grew up watching my dad work his work his butt off, you know, is as a he worked at a grocery store and I still don't know how working at Wise Markets here as a dairy manager and stuff like that. I still don't know how he, he provided everything he did because, I mean, yeah, we didn't have a whole bunch, but we still lived, um, you know, and I spent most of my days um, in the woods of Pennsylvania. So there's lots of stuff you can learn in the woods there. Uh, just being creative, things like that. As I grew up and moved into high school i got into athletics um i started playing football and baseball uh and um and basketball in there too but i stopped basketball after ninth grade but um i kind of looked at excelling a little bit in the football and baseball arena 
and being able to look at possibly going to college to play those. Um, so I looked at and got recruited for football and baseball to go into college. Um, being my size, I went for baseball and, uh, and also baseball was my passion and uh, catching was my passion. So I got recruited. I went to Kutztown University to play baseball to catch and also to get an education too on the back end of that. But really it was about, it was about baseball. Um, so uh, I did that. And then um, in my freshman year, I ended up breaking my thumb in two places at the beginning of the season. Um, he went to Georgia. I then uh, caught the, the other, the, our other catcher ended up breaking his throwing arm. So I was in the rest of the game. I didn't actually know it was broken then. I just thought it was jammed. And uh, then I caught 10 games. My thumb was like huge. Um, and then I went back, got x-rays. It was broken in two places. But then what I did is because my goal was to make the major leagues. Um, what I did is I kept playing. So we used a cast to catch. I used a cast to bat. I switched those off. I was known as the thumb guy. And um, so we did that. I did that for my freshman year of baseball and then it got to the fall of that year then uh it got to the point where i couldn't catch a baseball and i couldn't swing a bat anymore so my goal my career my dream the thing that i was working for since ninth grade um kind of was in it was done so that was kind of one of the first defining moments for me is because something i chased and worked so hard for was now done and it was something that was really hard for me to kind of that was that was really when we talk about purpose now, that's what I do now. As a men's coach, I coach men on purpose, how to reveal your purpose and how to infuse that in every single thing that you do. But lots of times in our society that we have is our purpose is in what we do. And that's what I thought. My purpose was to be a major. I was Clay Smeltzer chasing the major leagues. Well, now I'm not. Now I'm Clay Smeltzer college student. Well, that's not that exciting. <laughs> you know, that's not as exciting as chasing the major leagues in the, in the game, in the grind, in doing that. Uh, and chasing after a dream that you had. But once my dream was gone and that was no longer something there, now what was it? So that was one of the first defining moments for my life is, 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 is to that. And it wasn't until I really revealed my purpose that I took, that I took ownership. Because I think that's one of the things our society is missing for everybody is ownership. I finally took ownership of the fact that I took myself out of my dream because I was the one who continued to keep playing and with a broken thumb, instead of letting it heal and then going back to the game, I should have done that, but I had to take ownership. So the ironic, ironic piece of it is I was trying so hard to make the majors. I took myself out of the majors, which is, which is one of those things that's as a man, that was shameful. And then we run these shame cycles. That was hurtful. That was all these things. Well, I did this to myself. I didn't want to take ownership and say, Hey, yes, I actually did this to myself. It was somebody else's fault. It was, it was just the circumstances fault. No, no, no. It was mine. And uh, later on, I took care of that. Then uh, after, after that ended, um, I finished college at Kutztown, uh, ended up getting married. Um, then a little bit later, get, uh, get a teaching job. Then uh, we had my daughter. And about a year after my daughter uh, was there, my wife at the time was like, hey, I'm in love with you, but, uh, or sorry, I love you, but I'm not in love with you and uh, I'm leaving you. And I was like, awesome. That's great. <laughs> I was like, cool. Good job. Woo. Um, so that really, and, and the process through there uh, that occurred is that was a lot of time. And that was another defining moment because that was a time where I had to go find myself. And what I did at first was I blamed, I was mad. I was, I was just angry, but I had to, I had good people around me. You are who you associate with. And I had people who were around me that were willing to tell me the things I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. Cause I wanted cuddled. I wanted coddled. I wanted to say, Hey, everything's going to be all right. And the men I had around me said, dude, it's not going to be all right. It's going to suck. And you're going to have to figure your stuff out. And I mean, I remember a phone call from my mentor. I was in a business then and my mentor, and he basically was like, stop being a baby and pick yourself up. I mean, he put other choice words in there and other, you know, swear words in there and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, I hung up, like it was a message and I hung, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It was, I was so mad. It was like that point in time where I was going to drive to his house, ring the door and just pop him in the face. And, you know, as soon as he opened the door, but then five seconds later, I'm like, dude, you're right. I'm like, I'm blaming everybody else instead of taking ownership of myself. And uh, again, another defining moment, because what happened there is when, as, a, as men go through divorce, men, men and divorce is very hard. Um, and a lot of people say, well, it's really hard on women, but guys don't talk about it. 
And it's extremely hard on men because we run a shame cycle. For me, that shame was I was I felt worthless as a man, as a husband, and a father. That's what I felt. I felt worthless because this other person that I wanted to build a life with basically told me that I wasn't worth fighting for. And I was like, dude, that sucks. So I internalized that. I took that on that that those words on as myself. And and I just kept running that shame cycle of all of that. So as we go through, kind of built myself back up, I ended up meeting my sons. So my daughters from my first marriage or middle daughters from my first marriage. Um, my son is from now my second marriage. So I met a woman at some point in time. And even though the red flags were there at some point in time, she validated me as a man, as a husband, and as a father. So even though there were warning signs to say, Hey, you might not want to do this or continue this relationship. It might not be positive for you. I continued to go because I was trying to get her to answer the two most important questions for a man. And the first one is, am I good enough? And the second one is, do I have what it takes? And those two questions there at some point in time, she answered them as I am good enough to be a good man. I do have what it takes to be a good man. I am good enough to be a good father. I have what it takes to be a good father. And the same thing for as a husband. At some point in time, I was allowed, and, and, and through that marriage, that marriage, we got married within eight months. We had a kid the next nine months. Um, and then it, I was, we were divorced within a, after a couple months after that. So it was pretty much bang, bang, bang. And then it was over. But what our defining moment three there was I realized I was trying to get somebody to answer the questions for myself instead of myself. Because you know what the hardest thing for, especially for a man is to look in the mirror and ask, answer those questions to yourself. Am I good enough? And do I have what it takes? Because sometimes we got to sit there and be like, I don't like the answers to those questions. And we want to be big, bad heroes. Ah, you know, we want to do that. But the problem is, is there are lots of times we don't feel like we can, but that's, that's where. So then from there, I kind of, again, built myself back up after a second divorce. And statistics show that most of the time, if a man gets divorced once, a likelihood he'll get married again is, is up, but if he gets divorced a second time, it drops down to like only 10% of men, you know, get married after the, uh, for a third time. And I was like, you know what? I believe in love. I believe I'm a hopeless romantic. I love watching shows like, well, uh, you know, the, you're a rom-com fan. I'm a rom-com fan, you know, and so my brother, <laughs> I do uh, too. McConaughey's movies, man. I love those things. So, yeah, so, I do you know, too. Chicks taking me to a chick flick. Nah, I'll take the chicks to the chick flick. I'm like, cause I like that. So, uh, and then all the, you know, the um, reality TV shows and stuff like that. They're all about love. like, I love it. Cause I don't like drama in my life. So that's really the only drama I let in my life is somebody doing it on TV. Um, so, but, but, so I learned from there. And then, you know, as we time went on uh, after my second divorce, I had to fight. Uh, and if, if the, the U S is not a great place, for men in the court system when it comes to families. Um, and so I was ended up having to work two jobs as a teacher. And then I worked at a bar um, till late in the night. Then I go teach again, all that kind of stuff. I was finishing up my master's degree to try to bump my, bump my pay up there so I could pay for my kids and everything. I was going through a divorce. I was going through a custody battle, not only with my son, but with my daughter as well. Uh, as a man walking into the courtroom for custody, because I have you know a penis between my legs, uh, I got to fight for every right that I have, um, which is not right. That is also a system that has to change. Um, and then when we look at it, finances, because I, I had a, kids from different marriages, they didn't calculate into each other. So uh, I had my kids uh, partial, partial, and that's what I was fighting for 50-50. Uh, I have that now, uh, but I was also fighting the custody, custody uh, payments as well, or the child support payments as well, which at that point in time, I because of all of the money I was paying in child support and I had my kids, I was only living about $972 a month. So I was trying to figure out what was going on. How do I put food on the table for my kids? How do I do this? And it was just, I lived in survival, but the problem is, is I'm good at survival. <laughs> you put me in a position, I got to, I'm good at it and I'm good at fighting. But then as we got out of all those things, I met my wife uh, that I'm married to now. Um, I met her. We developed this relationship. Um, we got, I got out, I got back out of that debt. Um, 
50 50 custody child support all that kind of stuff lower to where i it's actually now i can you can afford it uh the so all of that stuff in place life was going good so here comes moment number four i'm sitting on my couch right over here in the basement watching game of thrones and uh i have a complete panic attack over over a scene in in game of thrones and uh, so I'm sitting there as a man, my wife's sleeping next to you. I don't know how she slept through Game of Thrones, but she was sleeping. And uh, and I don't know if you've ever watched it before, but the the whole door scene, there was a bunch of ice zombies running through this tree and this one pixie stayed behind to try to stall them. And basically she was surrounded by them. And internally, that's what I felt. I felt trapped just like her, knowing that if I didn't do something for my life, I was it, I was going to be just like her you know, and dead. And uh, that's, that's not a good feeling, especially as my wife's sitting there next to me, I'm sweaty, I feel like I'm going to throw up or have diarrhea, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes along with anxiety that I have dealt with for a lot of years. But it just was that full blown panic attack and going, dude, this is, this is not so when we talked earlier in the show, this said this isn't what it was supposed to be. That's what I was talking about. Because this wasn't what my, supposed, what my life was supposed to be. If you looked at the picture of my life from the outside it looked awesome, you'd be like, dude, why are you having a panic attack? Everything looks great. But what it looks like on the outside doesn't matter. We see all these famous people you know, over and over and over again have money, have fame, have fortune, have all these things and are miserable. But why? Because they didn't take care of the internal, and that's kind of where I was too. So for me, that was the fourth one to really say, hey, listen, you need to do something different with your life. And I think men change for two reasons. One because there's something so great out in front of you, you're like, all right, I'm going to change. But it's it has to be like something way great. But most men change because it, the shit hits the fan. And part of my French, but it hits the fan, and you're like, I have to change. And I think that that's for me. That's where I was at. Called a midlife crisis. That's what it was. I was 35 years old, sitting there going, this is not what my life should have been like. And uh, the only person who had any 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 opportunity to change it was me. Because ultimately, I put myself there. That was my that was mine. And again, my purpose. And 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 hold on before I say that, is then I went through the series to find out who Clay Smelter was. It went deep. It went dark. It went a lot of places I didn't want to go. But in order for me to have the passion that I have now and to help men the way I do in this in the U.S. in the North America around the world, the reason why I do what I do now and I have the passion for it now and help men that way is because I went through the crap. It's not just me reading some book. What I take men through is what I went through and it stinks. It's not fun, but I had to do it in order to get to my purpose, which is to own myself, love my story and live with purpose every single day. So that's, that's kind of my origin story up to today where we're talking. And my goal here today with you is just leave it on the field, man. And wow. if, uh, cause here's, here's one of the things too, that, I think all your listeners and, and everybody that's listened to this is I want you to understand that you might not get tomorrow. I might not get those stairs right there. And one thing that really affected me in that whole journey was death. And I would, I would have a lot of panic around death. I'd have a lot of anxiety around death, but I was so afraid of it. I lived in fear of not doing anything about it. But what I understand now, knowing my purpose is I don't know when my time's up. We could get done this. I could fall down those stairs over there, break my neck and be done. But what I'm going to do with you, Dwight, and all your listeners is I'm going to leave it on the field right now because that's what my dad taught me. That's one of those lessons I learned from my dad is to leave it all on the field. So that's what I'm going to do here with you. So that's my that's my origin story. Wow. I love your origin story. I ran out of room in, uh, on my page where I, in between questions, I leave uh, um, room for notes like, brother, I'm proud of you because you've been well, through you. a journey that many will never understand. And mm -hmm. honestly, I hope a lot don't, to be yeah. honest, because as, a, <laughs> I single, agree as a single parent going through divorce, my yeah. triggers as I was listening to you were going like a roller coaster. Yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good, people have to understand it's okay to feel emotions. Yeah. What's not okay is for you to live in those emotions that yep. are not serving you and the work involved with people like yourself that have gone through it we're the best teachers 
because mm-hmm. we're teaching from experience. Like you said, not, we're not learning from a book. Yeah. We're learning from, we've learned through experience, the school of hard knocks. We've consistently worked on our six inches between our ears. Cause you talk right about living in a trailer, um, you know, hanging out outside typical childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, there's obviously ups and downs in our lives. And I was, you know, one of the things that you brought up was about your dad, right? Mm-hmm. He worked at a grocery store. You weren't sure how he paid for life, how he supported yeah. you. I, I no you know idea. what the biggest problem that we have in our society is parents hide things from their kids. And I've heard mm-hmm. it time and time again, as a finance yeah. dude, don't, I'll educate my clients and coach and I privately coach people how to work on their six inches. And I tell them they need to be more vulnerable with what they share with their significant other, um, Mm -hmm. what they share with their kids within reason. Obviously I teach Mm -hmm. them how to do it age appropriate. That's another problem. Yeah. People don't get age appropriateness and this and how kids' brains are developed and they take a while to be able to handle stuff. And prime example is the parent groups that exist in North America for rating music, movies, games. It's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a scientific process of how our brain develops and how it can internalize and deal with things. And some of our, our trauma as children is because of the fact we're not our families. As we talked outside of the podcast, um, they, they don't necessarily do the right things for us. They parent yeah. us nowadays. Kids are parent in the past. Kids were parented uh-huh. by TV. Now it's TV, tablets, computers, yeah. gaming machines. Oh, leave me alone. Go go play video games. Yeah, right. Yep. Because why do parents do that? Well, I believe parents do that because they have their own trauma from their own childhood, and it goes. Mm-hmm. It's a generational process. So what yeah. you went through and how you developed yourself, even your stubbornness for you know, when you hurt your hand and continuing to play baseball, it's still, some of that is a good trait. Some of it wasn't. And then your realization of it and you correcting it and figuring it out and taking ownership is why I admire you. Right. I do admire you. That is, that is amazing. And you're a very good storyteller, by the way. Thank you. My (laughs) listeners, I would highly check out um, just as a side note, to help out my friend, because I appreciate people that respect me and refer me, check out uh, Clay's podcast. I listened to his latest episode that was released. Um, I listened to it late last night. It's really decent. Um, you'll get a lot of value from him. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go on so I can uh, cover, because there's so much I want to learn <laughs> from you. Um, I know one of your goals is to bring men together to rebuild yeah. masculinity with heart and purpose. What do you believe caused the need for men's masculinity needing to be rebuilt? Uh, just society. We, when, when the change in society, the change in our culture, um, because when we look at it and, and, you know, we talked about parenting there. So I'll get into a, a tiny bit of what, what I believe is we've lost that family unit, but we've as men and, and I think it's a dichotomy. So, I mean, I coach men, so that's what I, I talk, but I think the same thing has happened with women as well, as well and femininity. Um, so when I say masculinity, femininity, when I, when I talk about what I'm going to tell here and kind of give that story of how it transitioned, I mean, for both. Uh, but I specifically deal with men. So we're talking about masculinity. Um, but when we look at history, you know, go back 1900 back, you know, our goal kind of for the day, especially in a majority of the places around the world was to wake up and not die. That was it. So when we look at it, we had to take ownership. We had to be in a position of survival, which our brains operate in that method. So when you look at conscious and subconscious, subconsciously, our brain works in survival. Um, So it says, hey, what's the threat? Then take care of the threat, things like that, or maneuver, all that kind of stuff that comes along. So when we also talk about anxiety, we were in an anxiety-ridden state all the time, and we had to use that. So why is it mental health up for men? Is because we're not tapped into our primal need, our society doesn't allow us to be what we were designed really to do. And if we look at 1900 back, we had to wake up, we had to cultivate the land, we had to go hunt, we had to protect our lands. You know, it was a different society. And then when you go back through the age, it was even worse as you go back through the ages. So when we look at it, 
men have played that role of provider protector in a way that had to beat things up, kill things, harvest things, do those things. We, that's what we're, that's honest. That's what we're designed to do. I mean, there's a lot of different thoughts around masculinity, femininity, all that. Listen, we were designed. Um, and again, that goes back to my spiritual beliefs, stuff like that too. I believe that there's something else out there, but when I say we were designed, our bodies, everything that we're the way we think in our DNA was designed to provide and protect in a physical manner. Um, so that's what we, that's what we have done up until 1900. But then after 1900, we get into the industrial revolution. We get into then TV, then we get into, um, computers and then we get into today. So what society was 1900 back was you had about 90 to 95% survival. That's what you did throughout the day that left 10 to 5% pleasure filled. Again, our brains work survival, but now let's take our world today. We are at 90 to 95% pleasure-filled world and only five to 10% survival world. So when we look at rebuild that masculinity, when we're looking at that, we have to we have to rebuild it because our masculinity and what we were designed to do in our head and in our brain isn't matching up with the reality of the world we live in. So what we have to do is we have to rebuild and say, hey, what does that actually look like in today's world? Because our subconscious and our DNA is running something that went back 1900 back. So when we talk about bringing men together to do that, it's about having those conversations. Hey, hey, listen, our brain worked this way, but we live in a world that's this. Well, what does that look like for you? And then you get to masculinity. Well, what is masculinity? I mean, you got literally millions of different, uh, you know, what masculinity is. This person will tell you. All, you know, there's tons of men's groups out there that help with you. Some of it goes is spiritual. Some of it's not spiritual based. Some of it um, talks about that big macho man, rah, like that, that type of man. Um, and for me, when we look at bringing men together to rebuild masculinity with heart and purpose, that comes back to you. Again, you'll probably hear me say this a whole bunch. Everything comes back to you. So, so for you, Dwight, what's masculinity for you? How does it show up in your world for you? What's it look like? How's that pertain to just you yourself? How's it pertain to you and your kids? How's it pertain to you and providing and protecting? What does it look like for you? Because what it looks like for you, Dwight, is different than what it looks like for me. But if you don't do the work to know what that looks like, you can't live by it. You will, we will run operations based upon what we were told. So I'm going to go back to the 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s went to the macho man. Ah, I mean, you can even think about macho man, Randy Savage, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was drink more beer, link up or hook up with more girls and lift more weights. That's what society told us. You know, that's what movies told us. That's what magazines told us. That what, that's what athletes told us. That's what all those different things they told us. That's what that peer pressure told us, you know. So that's how I tried to live. I tried to live by somebody else's means of what they told me to live by instead of living by my own means. Well, what did that get me? Well, that get me at 35 years old, sitting on my couch, like I told you before, having a panic attack going, this is not what my life was supposed to be. Why? Because I was doing everything else for everybody else instead of doing for myself first. And if my cup isn't full and overflowing, I can't give. I can't do that. If I can't lead, and, and one of the biggest things of that day, I started a huge, probably the biggest shame cycle I started. And again, guys don't talk about shame. Why? Because nobody talked about it with us. You know what I mean? I'm 40 years old. No, nobody talked about shame for me. Nobody talked about their feelings. Don't cry. Get back up. Man up. All that kind of stuff. You know, all those different things. That's what I was taught. Now, I utilized some of that in a good way, but if we go over to the extreme, anything extreme isn't very good for you. You know, and that could be in good and bad things. But the reason why a big shame cycle started because I looked at my wife sleeping next to me and I looked at myself and I tried to picture myself, you know, out externally of myself and said, if I can't take care of myself, how am I going to provide and protect for my wife and my kids? So go back to our internal nature. My nature as a man is to provide and protect. I couldn't do it for myself. How was I going to do it for my kids? How's it going to do it for my wife? Oh man, this, it still gets me, uh, you know, emotional now because I don't want men to feel that, you know, and that's why I do what I do. That's why I have the passion that I have. That's why I built 
the brotherhood, the purpose of fused men's brotherhood. That's why I have the purpose revealer program because I want you to wake up every single day, know why you're here. I started saying this the other day because I started thinking about this the other day. Somebody asked me about, well, purpose, you know, if you didn't know, like, I forget what the question was. It was great. But basically like I answered and said, listen, like I don't, I can't answer this question because I know what my purpose is and why I'm here on this earth. And for me to wake up during the day and not do that, I just, I can't picture that. Like, I just can't like, so go back to the, I think it was before we start talking, you said about one of the guys in, in one of your groups, you said, well, I just keep having bad days. No, that's, that's your choice. I can't have a bad day because when I wake up, I know why I'm here and I have another opportunity to be that. So for me to say at the end of the day, Hey, this was a bad day. I'm like, I don't know how I have no clue how that could happen. Like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that could happen anymore. But in the past, I used to live that every day. I used to dread, dread my 40 minute drive to school. And the closer I got to school, cause I'm a seventh grade math teacher, the closer I got to school, the more anxiety I felt. I literally drive to work, make myself sick driving to work because I'm like, I, I can't stand this. And, and it wasn't because of the kids. It wasn't because I didn't like what I was doing. It was because of me period. It was the thoughts that I had about me because I had no reason or purpose of why I was going there. Besides it was money. It paid bills. <laughs> and, and, and to me, that's just like, that's just a crappy way to think if I'm going to do something, invest my time, invest my energy. I want to, I want to know why I'm doing it. You know, there has to be a purpose behind it. So I don't know what the question was. I totally forget it, what question it, you asked, but it, I, it, I hope it, it answered matter. it. <laughs> it did. It, it doesn't matter, brother. I, I so enjoy this conversation, but you know, you talk a lot about how can we measure up for our families, for others around us, and we can't measure up for ourselves. And, you know, I talk about that, coach about it. It's in my book. I talk about quiet desperation. I spent a lot of years putting up a facade to others, going to bed yeah. at night and being in quiet desperation because I didn't know what to do. I had some of yeah. the tools already. I knew I had read books and I had done all this stuff, but reading doesn't make you knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Reading doesn't give you necessarily yeah. the, the secret sauce. Just like me standing in a church doesn't make me a good person. Some Me standing yep. in a garage doesn't make me a car, right? It, mm -hmm you have to put in the work and you know, you've obviously done that and you're helping others. Um, I do the same thing though. I, you brought, you brought up about our conversation about my uh, friend saying, you know, bad days and I've conditioned him to think about bad moments instead and how to level up out of it. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is, is people forget about gratitude. Yeah. Wake up in the morning. I thank God for another day. I thank mm -hmm. God for giving me another shot, another opportunity to be the best version yeah. of myself. Because as we talked about prior, we don't know what's going to yep. happen 10 minutes from now. You could trip on the stairs and break your mm -hmm. neck. I could get off this call and people don't appreciate that one minute from now is the future. And yep. every minute after that's the future. And yeah, how are you living good. the present minute, right? So how are you living your present minute and I talk to people and I coach them. I recently did a video log about it, about people tripping over the future because they're so stuck and living in the depression of the past. Yeah. So they, they live in a depressive state and they're, they're once in a while thinking about the future and those two depression and anxiety cross over, but they're so yeah. stuck in, in living in the past and in a depressive state that the future's passing them, keeps on going. Yeah that they trip over the things that could help them get out of that depressive state because their six inches isn't right. Mm -hmm. They're living in quiet desperation. And the biggest key thing is you mentioned that earlier is our associations and associations yeah. to me are so much more than just the people, you know, it's how do you associate with what you're allow your kids to watch on television, what you were allowed to watch in television, what you as an adult watch on television. When people are in a depressive state or quiet desperation, like I call it, what are they normally doing? They're watching movies, listening to mm -hmm. TV shows, radio, podcasts, whatever, that are enhancing 
their mood, not breaking their mood and breaking that cycle. So I teach people that you need to, you know, I will ask people, my clients, the people I coach, what do you listen to? What do you normally do? Tell me your routines. I want to know your origin and how you got to this point. And then what Mm -hmm. have you done in your past? And I try to help them selectively understand why they're broken without Mm -hmm. them feeling like they're broken, right? Because some people like it can put them into more trauma by somebody being critical with them so quickly. But I really like what you had to said. Um, Masculinity is different for all of us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm not the same person as you. My definition of an application of different processes in my life as a man, there's similarities, but there's lots of differences. Correct. Um, You know, another shot another day. I wrote that down Mm -hmm. because I do. I say those words and I wake up. Thank you for letting me have another shot another day because if I don't start my day off in gratitude someday sometimes yep. I wake up something's happened and it's reactive and Correct. then I chase on my day and later on in the day I wonder why I'm in a funk <laughs> right yeah. what did you talk about uh, and, what's yeah. our subconscious mind about you said it's it. about survival yes so yeah. I'm in all of a sudden my subconscious is taken over because I haven't fed my conscious mind that reminder of having mm-hmm. gratitude for having a home, having food, waking up, getting another shot, welcoming something bigger in my life than mm-hmm. me, which I welcome God into my day every day. And for my listeners that know me very well, I have agnostic, atheist, mm-hmm. people that worship nature. I'm not here to judge anybody. Nope. I'm here to say, though, that you need to work on your six inches between your ears and associate with great people like Claire, myself, that can help you level up, that can help you hold accountable to the fact that the only person that can control your path in life is you and quit pointing your fingers at other people. Right. Stop making excuses. And, and man, listen, I was the biggest excuse maker. And, and, and the thing is, is like, there's a John Maxwell always says that there are two days when you're born, one where you actually came out of your mom's womb. And the second day is when you take complete and utter ownership of every single thing that you've done in your life. Uh, and everybody Love that's that. listening to this, you here, myself here, you are ex- exactly. And I didn't believe this. I tried to fight this when I heard this, when, when I read this in John Maxwell's book, and I'm like, you know what? No, this doesn't apply, but here's the truth. You are exactly where you are at today, every single aspect of your life because of you, period. And we can, you, but, and I, I get people say, but, but Clay, you don't understand. I'm like, I know I don't need to, un- I, I don't understand. And guess what? I don't need to, you do, you need to understand. I don't have 100%. to understand your story. You know why? Cause it isn't my story. It's your story. So you got to understand your story and you got to know that everything that you did, it was in a response. Um, I, I, we got this from, from one of the brothers um, from the West Coast said this, I plus, no wait, I plus R equals O, which is, no wait, dang it, I messed it up. I forget it now. That's okay. But it's your, 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 the event, oh, that's what it is. E plus R equals O. The event plus your response equals the outcome. And you may not be able to control the event, but you definitely control your response. And there's lots of things just like saying, Hey, I couldn't, I couldn't help that. You know, my, my first wife said she was done. No, but my response to it, I could. And that's just like, I had a great conversation the other day with one of my, one of my clients. It it was about, about fear. And he said, and, and just like, there's been a lot of hurt in relationships for me that I went through as a man. And most of the time as again, a, a second a, i'm divorced twice usually men do not get married a third time because they don't want to deal with the pain and lots of times you'll see guys who are single for the whole life because they've been through some type of pain they don't ever want to feel it again but the problem is is they're living in fear and and that my, my client asked me is like well do you fear that your wife will leave you too and i said yes but i don't believe it will happen there's a difference do i fear it there is fear there, but I don't, I don't allow it to actually do that because here's the, here's the fear part. I have no control over what she decides to do. Totally up to her. She might wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm just annoyed with you. I'm done. Cool. Like that's what she could literally try it. But 
I don't, I don't base my life, my decisions based on that, based on what the reality of how we interact with each other are. And that's why we build that relationship. That's why we built a great relationship. That's why I just love being with my wife just because of her. This is the first marriage I've been through, been in that there wasn't some other type of reason why I've married her other than, hey, I, I just love being with you. And that's a beautiful thing to me because that's all I've always wanted. And that's what I have now, but I've worked my, my butt off to make sure that I'm building relationships like that. But, and I, and I told him too, is like, but that's with any relationship, you know, there could be a great buddy of mine. And one day he may be like, I just don't want to be your buddy anymore. There's fear in losing some type of relationship and loss. And there's that fear. But if I work based upon that fear, then I, I'm living in a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. And I don't, I don't, that doesn't give me any results. There's two, two, two processes that living things go through. One is growth and the opposite. And the only two things that happen is growth or decay. If I'm not growing, I'm decaying. And I just don't ever want to decay in any area of my life. I always want to get better because if I stop growing in any area, that's relationships. That's I, I work into four foundations. The four foundations are your body, your mind, your bonds, and your bills. If I don't grow in each one of those areas, I'm decaying in one of those areas. I'm decaying in it, period. So if I don't keep working my body, putting good things in my body and working my body, my body's going to decay. It's just how it's going to happen. So same thing with your mind, same thing with the relationships that you have, the bonds and your bills, your finances and stuff. If you don't grow it, it's decaying, period. Absolutely. That's I, I love that. Um, so I wanted to also talk to you about something that I caught. I don't know if I grabbed it off your site or if it was off one of your social media, but you stated, I want all men to live from their heart and their mm -hmm. truest self, not from what society, others in the world said we should be. I love the yeah. statement. And I call society the committee of they, as they're always yeah. telling us from childhood up how to live as a man. Oh yeah. Examples such as boys shouldn't cry. Don't show your emotions, suck it up, be a man. Men are yeah. the breadwinners and responsible and responsible for taking care of the house, family, et cetera, and a bunch yeah. of other garbage that we've been fed our whole lives <laughs> and still today. I know this idea has been around for centuries that men should not show vulnerability. What do you believe is the best way for a man to learn how to be vulnerable? Uh, know themselves. It's go look in the mirror, period. The mirror is the great equalizer for men and women, for anybody. Because guess what? The only the person that the only person knows every single thing about your yourself is in that mirror. And I challenge every single man and, and what actually anybody, men or women who listen to anybody. I challenge you to go look in the mirror. I was challenged at this at 28 years old. I couldn't do it. I thought actually when when the guy I respected, he challenged me to this. I laughed in my head, not out loud, because I didn't want to be disrespectful, but I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever I, like this is the dumbest thing ever. And then two days later I went and tried it and I was, I was, I still see the sink. I could still see the mirror. It was in my buddy's house. I was renting a room from, and uh, I still remember the tears just dropping into the sink because I couldn't. And the challenge was, and he said, Clay, right now you need to go look in the mirror, look yourself square in the eyes and tell yourself you love you and mean it. And I was like, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. I love you. Okay, cool. And then I went to do it and I couldn't. Six months, it took me six months and five days to get to the point where I could look my, now I tried it throughout there, but it took me six months and five days so I could look in the mirror and be like, I love you and actually mean it and believe it. There's a difference between looking in your mirror and be like, I love you ha, ha, and joking around about it, but you actually meaning it because that man that stared back at me in the mirror, I didn't like that guy. And that was a point in time in my life where I thought I was doing good. That was a point, it was after my first divorce and I felt like I built myself up. But, but I looked in that guy's eyes and I was like, oh, I don't like who you are, man. I don't like, I don't, I don't like this. And um, it's very uncomfortable. But from that day till now, I can still look in the mirror. Like when I say, I love you, like I'm looking at myself in the video here and I, I'm looking in my eyes and saying, I love you because I mean it. Now there's things that I, as I went through, there's things that I didn't like some of the decisions I've made. I didn't like, but it doesn't mean I don't love myself. It still means, Hey, I got to work on myself. And I know that, but for me, how do people really get to that point of it's doing that and taking full complete ownership of everything you've done is realizing 
I am where I'm at because of my choices, period. Not somebody else's, not the excuse making crap you hear all over the place like, oh, well, it's this person's fault or this person's fault or the media made me do it or this person or no, 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 no. It's yours. You are the person who gets controls your actions, period. And it's your fault. It's your choice of what you did. Now you can do two things. You can get better because of it or you can get worse. It's totally up to you. I would, some people say, well, there's a third, nothing can happen, but that's getting worse because staying in a state of stagnant is worse. I mean, to me, it might not be for everybody, but to me, if I'm stagnant, that's worse. That's, that's on the worst well, side because I didn't minds, get any better. Our minds need to be stimulated. Um, it is, our minds were never designed to be stagnant. And I love that yeah. you brought that up. And since you brought that up, I'm going to, I was going to ask something else, but actually I'd like to discuss that some um, stagnancy happens because we in society are raised as young people to get married, have kids, right? yeah. 2.1 kids, two kids and a dog or a yeah. cat and have a white picket fence, go yeah. to work, go home, get paid. And that stops our brain from being mm -hmm. stimulated. We get, we have high expectations at our careers, our businesses. We live a facade. We live a different mm -hmm. life at home. And our home life may not be in the greatest state. We're in disarray. We're in disarray personally. That culminates and we bring that into our jobs. We bring that into our decision processes. And we're not taught how to walk tall. And some, yeah. after this, I'll have to share something with you. Uh, it's part of one of the workshops I'm working on. And it's, and it's a thing that I put together. And it's two slides. And it goes through points about how we need to learn how to walk tall in life. Mm -hmm. and, and how we become better decision makers when we are not fearful of yeah. loving ourselves. We're not fearful mm -hmm. of, of the bills. Whether we have money or not, we can learn to live in even a, de a debt state and be happy knowing yeah, we're yes. controlling that debt state, that we're paying it down, that we've been given purpose, that we're not alone, and that mm -hmm. we have support. But none of that alone support wor works for anybody if they yeah. can't have ownership. And you talked about looking in the mirror. Um, dude, I was there, brother. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Not liking who I was and letting the committee of they constantly control how I should feel after during marriage, during separation, mm -hmm. during divorce. They're constantly saying, oh, how can you do that yourself? You need some support. You know, I may, it may have been true. Their intention or their comment may have had some validity, their presentation or the fact mm -hmm. of giving me solutions wasn't wasn't the greatest yeah. um, or if they gave me solutions at all. And it, it basically comes to a point where we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yep. We have to look for the right things to change ourselves and being honest to ourselves as a guy, especially and girls. I know mm -hmm. you have this challenge too. dad, a single, single dad, four daughters and one boy. I went through it all the emotional journey, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and being vulnerable to my kids yeah. helped me be vulnerable to myself and all the yeah. mistakes and I stopped using that word too. Mistakes is a, I talk about it, but I don't use it in my mental mind state. Everything yep. for me is what lesson did that yeah, screw opportunity. up, right? What lesson did that mm -hmm. screw up or that improper way of dealing with things that I just did? Yeah. Uh, remember wordsmithing. What did I do to change my, I mean, what can I do to change? What did I do wrong? And then that mm -hmm. continued wisdom helps me be a better person, a better man, sure a better provider to others and a better servant. My whole goal mm -hmm. in life is to be a servant. So in order yes. to serve others, I have to serve me, just like you said, first. And, you know, six months, five days to look in the mirror. Dude, I, it, at least you're courageous enough to have counted the time. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't even tell you how long it took me. Yeah. But I went through that journey and I appreciate your vulnerability. And I hope the listeners understand that, you know, nothing comes easy and mm -hmm. nothing is cheap in our life. And I don't mean financially. Yeah. I mean, cheap is a cost of what you're mm -hmm. going to go through in a roller coaster of emotions as you learn to accept the trauma that yep. you could have caused yourself that you didn't realize or that your committee of they, their friends, family, and everybody injected into your life has caused you to be where you're at. And taking ownership is the biggest weakness we have. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. taking ownership, absolutely, admitting that we're flawed human beings, we're never perfect, and we can strive to be better, mm-hmm. right? And never sit in judgment of other people's yeah. stories. You talked about earlier. You talked about, um, you know, interpretation of your story. You say mm-hmm. you mentioned as well that other people you don't need to know their story necessarily yeah. because their interpretation of their story is controlled by the culmination of their origin up to yep. where they're at. They need to understand that their story is their story. They can tell me their story. I can try to interpret it, but I still can't climb into their six inches and yeah. find out exactly yep. where they're broken. All I can do is give them tools to have realization, just like you yeah. to go through that realization process. And you can probably concur. You don't know how long it's going to be. Somebody you're coaching or somebody you're helping <laughs> yeah. could take it could take three months and five days. Yep. <laughs> Not to, you know, it could be three weeks. Some people are hurting. Three years. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah it, so I really appreciate that that's that uh what you said. Well, thank you. And 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 I think one of the things too is when you what you just said there is important for people to understand the process to find you, the process to reveal why you are here. It's not the same for everybody. You, it's a different, I, in my purpose revealer program, I walk you through exactly what I did. So I have a process to go through there, but the things that come up in between day one, and I usually say, you know, within at least 90 days, we can get you to have your purpose defined and written down. So you're like, dang, that is like, that's me. That's why I make every single decision. It usually comes down to two to three things and qualities and characteristics about you. That's what it really comes down to. But we got to go so many people. And I think this is part of the society too. When we jump back to that question of masculinity, masculinity has stayed on the surface for so long, for thousands and thousands of years, provide, protect. The more people we could beat up, we could kill. We, we could get, when we could beat up and kill more things or people, we could gain more land, more women to, to, procreate with and more money it gave us status you know hey i could go fight all this stuff it gave me status now we, we don't have that society anymore but we want to make sure that we're, we still have those pieces that are in play and what we have to do is we have to make sure like i'm utilizing me effectively in that manner so that i can live the life that i actually really want to live not somebody else or what they said, Hey, you should live this. I mean, just like, you know, you hear Gary V say all the time, like stop living by your parents means stop listening to your parents because well that, I mean, I didn't listen to my parents because they told me not to listen to them because they say, Hey, we're going to teach you things, but ultimately it's yours. And I'm like, cool. Cause it's my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so many, so many kids do that. Well, I got into, why are you a lawyer? Because my parents wanted me to be okay. Well, do you actually like it? Like, that's eh, all right. It pays the bills. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure it actually pays the right bills? Cause yeah, sure. It might pay the bills this way, but the real bill is the one that's in here. Oh yeah. Is it paying that bill? hundred percent. We, we too many times in our lives live for others and forget that we're all creatures, unique fingerprints. We all have mm-hmm. a process of, having our own story and helping others. And we get, it gets squashed because of the committee. They has taught us that, you know, we should be like our parents, you know, Oh, you you, look at that kid. They're terrible. It's their parents fault. Or there, look at that adult. It's because of the way they're growing up. Some of that is a reality, but you still can take ownership. You can still push yourself back and, you know, into a point of ownership. So what are your thoughts on how we can start actually teaching our children outside of the education system on on how to live life on purpose and not by accident so they are more productive, happy adults? Well, I I think it first starts with the parents doing it for themselves. That's the real key because we don't have that. You know, um, I would say my generation didn't I say, I heard somebody say this the other day, our generation, probably for the last 20 to 30 years, really hasn't gone through anything. It really hasn't gone through any real struggles. I mean, we had 9-11 in there and stuff like that, but the majority, we didn't have something like World War II or anything like that. Like we didn't have real hard struggle um, to go through. It's been kind of easy. 
you know, it's been kind of, kind of fluid. And I think one of the things that parents need to do is for you, you are the example for your kids. When you take care of yourself and you own your own self instead of make excuses for everything. And as a teacher, I see this all the time. So when I get kids and stuff like that, and a parent, you're like, okay, I made the connection there. Okay. You're the, these kids talk just like the parents, you know, because why that's the environment that you're in. But as a parent, when we take ownership of ourselves, our kids will take ownership of them because they see that happening. You know, one of the things I do, and I think this is one of the things we've gotten away with uh, now I'm going to switch over to boys, um, especially becoming into men. So I'm going to look at, you know, how, how can a father, his father, what's a father's role in, in order to do that? Or if you don't, if a boy doesn't have a father, what's another man's role to be able to do that? And I believe there's initiation process that has to occur for any boy to step into a man, take ownership of their own life. Um, because if not, for me, for, if not, you see it so many times that you have, I was listening to a podcast the other day and one of the guys uh, was a construction owner and he said, well, this guy showed up three hours late. I reamed him out and his mom called me later that night and said, you shouldn't talk to Johnny that, that much. You hurt his feelings. And he's like, he didn't show up. Maybe you should make your 24 year old son actually like not call him because your, your son's 24 year old. He could take care of himself. Maybe you should show up on time, you know? And he's like, well, she got mad at me for that too. And I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Like you're 24 year old supposed to be a man but you're actually an adult boy having your mommy call in because you didn't show up to work on time. Like there's no ownership. There's no nothing on that. And I, and especially like, I like, there's so many guys, my age, I still see act the same way they probably did in high school or actually actually did in high school. And it's like, they're wearing their high school ring or their varsity jacket. Yeah. You're still the same boy that you were here. And it goes for women too. Again, all these, these dichotomy of men and women. So it happens in, in women too, but of course, yeah. with men, it goes like, but for me, like for me, that transition for my son, it wasn't important before I developed myself. And I look back at my life and how did my dad transition me too? Because one of the things I talk about too, is like, there's that patriarch in the family. And like, for me, um, I'm the patriarch in my family. Like my dad is part of our family but he, it's not, everybody looks to him in my family. They look to me. So I have done the work for my dad for two things. One, I've done the work to step away from my dad and my mom to say, I'm my own man. And two, I have done the work for my dad to give me his blessing, his hand and say, son, I now see you as your own. And I think that's one of the things that We've got now that initiation process with boys into men because go back to the 1900, 1900 back, boys went with their dads to what they did. They went to the fields. They went to their work. They went to their this. They went to the shops. They did these trades. They went. They saw their dad work. They saw their dad um, deal with people. They saw all these interactions that their dad did with them for years on end. And most of the time, what you had is that son usually took over the, co- the family business or whatever it was uh, that they did or that trade. And so men, boys saw their men, their dads in that, that form, which is a way for dads to transition them into being their own man and accepting. It also broke away from the mom because the mom is a provider protector too, but a mom pulls in and is a comfort the dad is a provider protector, pushes out for ownership. So we have now a big society of men, of boys who don't have dads, who are pushing them out, disconnecting them from the woman so that they can be their own man. That's why we have a 24-year-old in that podcast, a 24-year-old boy whose mommy's calling because mommy's that comfort. I don't want my, you, you yelled at my son because you hurt his feelings. Well, he was three hours late. Lucky he didn't get fired. Cause if that was me, I was like, dude, I just would have fired him. (laughs) I was like, see ya, get out. And it's like, where's the ownership, the mom. And again, we talked before about the happy kid phenomena. Like, and this is something I haven't talked about. This is something I'm getting into as an educator, as a parent, um, as a man, I see this all around the happy kid phenomena is what that parent did is say, Hey, I want my kid to be happy. I don't want them to go through any struggle. I don't want them to feel any pain. I don't want them to have to do any of this stuff. So what happens is you have a, a mom 
of a 24-year-old boy. So the mom didn't make a man. The mom made a boy because the mommy's doing the work for him. The mommy's trying to say, oh, well, well, Johnny had a hard night last night. You know, Johnny, you went this, you know, this and this. You're making excuses for him not to take ownership. You're taking that boy's power away from him for him to say, no, I was late. I, I, this is my fault. This is my responsibility. And then to be able to change the action. So when mom steps in because they didn't want their kid to be yelled at or to hurt or to feel pain or to struggle or any of those things, you're stepping in and you're ripping away the opportunity for this kid to take ownership, to think critically and to, and basically it goes back to take ownership of themselves. You're taking that away and you're taking the ownership, which gives them an excuse to say, well, you know, like, that's you know so anyways <laughs> great like, answer great answer ah, i could right? go on for that forever oh of course you, you're yeah you're very you're very good at expressing your thought process and and again mentioned it earlier telling stories so i so appreciate that um i got the, the last thing i'm going to ask you and we're going to close up here is clay if you had to give our listeners one last closing message what would you tell them in regards to giving a hack and never giving up Man, just, just don't make it an option. Just never give up, you know? And I think that's one of the things that, I think that's one of the things I saw my dad do. I saw my mom do too. You know, they, they took ownership of themselves. You know, one of the things, they went after their life because it's theirs. And I think when we start taking ownership of our own lives, that's when it gives us the opportunity to always get back up. You know, like you said, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I think we give our we give ourselves an out. I, I hear lots of times, "Well, I tried." Well, trying is an excuse for you to fail. That's trying to me. Lying. Trying is yeah. lying. That's what yeah. I've told people for thirty years. Yeah. Well, I tried. The well, word "try," it's yeah. lie, right? Well, she, lying yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it's really it's try. there's no in between either. There's yeah. no maybe. It's either yes or no. Yeah. But telling yourself and giving yourself an excuse to flow either way. Yep. Right. It's, it's and, what we tell ourselves. So, and I, th I think that goes into that trope that like give a trophy because you showed up mentality. Like oh, that, was I the, despise that, was that. Abs that was the absolute ruining of, you know, sports. Like, I, I mean, oh, I it, it is that case. Yeah. Here's your that participation came... award because <laughs> yeah. you, your team sucked or you yeah. sucked as an individual. Yeah. What is that teaching us? And it's, it's nothing. Prevalent. I've gone to speakers, part of me gone to different conferences and speakers are up bragging about the fact that they bought their whole, the whole soccer team trophies because yeah. they lost. What do like you think? You lost. What you, yeah. Yeah. You know that's, what? That's part of the happy Win or lose. phenomena. Yeah. Win or lose. Get your ass yeah. in gear and figure out how to be better. And if you're on our team that never wins, you can still win. You can Correct. still be a vital part of that team and be a champion every single day. I used to have those conversations with my kid. Yes, your team loses all the time, but you're not. You're out there. You're hustling. You're listening yes. to the coach. You're engaged in practice. You're engaged in the game. You leave with a good attitude. You're sad because you lost, but you understand that what you just accomplished in that game is going to continue to level up to the next game and the next game. And next year's team, you might be better. But today... You can't change it, you know, 20 some kids playing soccer or, you know, yeah. people on the ball diamond or, or hockey or whatever the case may be. Um, we just need to stop enabling. Oh, yeah. And, and be, he, here's, be I wrote this down. I wrote this down here and I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave, sure. I can't leave off with this is sure. Everyone wants to be a champ without doing the work. Oh, yeah. It's you can't so be true. a champion unless you put the work in for it. So, Here's what, here's what I'm going to tell everybody is, is every single day, realize and find out who you are. When you know exactly who you are, just like I said at the beginning, and I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast before we were talking, is like I wake up every day and I have no clue how I would not live my life to the fullest today because I know exactly why I'm here on this earth. I know my purpose. I love myself, that. love my story, live with, with, live with purpose. And if, I, I just don't know how not to do that. It's, it's, it's just, it's, to me, it's unfathomable, but I want every single person to know that. So go out there, do the work, go to, go deep, stop saying on the surface, get deep, go deep, go those layers, 
reveal who you are, know that, and then you can wake up every single day excited about your life and just leave it on the field. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I will finish that off with is when you share your circumstances with somebody that you know, like, and trust that is going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. It's going to be easier for you to discover yourself and to call yourself out in your own bullshit. Because (laughs) I've had people say to me, and this is going to sound funny. Some of the listeners know this already. Um, People will say, what would Dwight do in that circumstance? Mm -hmm. After I start working with them as just friends, even they'll think to me, I had somebody here, honestly, in the last couple of weeks say, every time I'm thinking this, I'll think to myself, what would Dwight say to me? What would Dwight (laughs) do? And, uh, and, and at first I used to think, well, you don't need to do that, but actually it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful when somebody that you know, like, and trust has gotten to influence your mindset to stop you thinking that negative stuff to help you stop camping. Even if it's for one moment right now, you're camping. I'm going to teach you a moment from now is the future. And you need to climb out of that minute of what you're feeling Mm -hmm. of whatever negativity it is. Right. So anyway, it's been amazing conversation. Our time is up. I want to respect our listeners and your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners what's the best way to reach you? Uh, for me, uh, Facebook, uh, Clay Smeltzer, or we have our Facebook group, Purpose Infused Men's Facebook group. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Clay Smeltzer, and I'm also on Instagram, Clay Smeltzer. Um, and then uh, you can always visit the site at Purpose Infused Coaching at, uh, com- or sorry, kajabi.com. Okay, I'll make sure that's all in the show notes as well. Um, this episode will actually go, I've decided before we even finished, it's going to go live <laughs> next week. Um, so I will make sure that's in the show notes, how they can connect you. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Clay. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experience is so that others too can learn it's never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck